Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. Now, I feel like I've been here twice before already. I'm Stephen Norman. I'm joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. <laughs> James Diamond. Hello. And Jerry McCauley. I'm not here, or am I? No, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here, Stephen. Don't worry. We don't care. Um... <laughs> This week we're back to normal ish, if we can be ever ever be normal after Stanley Kubrick's special. That's still on the website and on the iTunes because you should probably go and listen to it if you haven't because it's well good and that. Yeah. Probably our best received oh, yeah. podcast ever. Um, so there we go. This week though, um, I'm changing the quiz again because I listened back to the music one and it didn't really sound very good. You couldn't really hear it very well. So I've changed my mind on what we're doing. Um, and Jerry can keep his 1-0 lead though I'm going to read out some films from an actor's filmography if you will and you've got to guess which actor it's filmography it is does that, okay, make, yeah, does yeah. that make sense? I like it good, I like it too that's yeah, why, I've done, it. That's why yeah. I've done it uh, ok let's start off then Coach Carter Step Up, Step Up to the Streets. Uh, Owen. Yes, Owen. Owen. Yes, is Owen. It Channing Tatum. It is. Wow. Yes. Which, which, which implies to me that you've seen at least one of the Step Up series. So I don't really. So I don't really know if you should have a point. <laughs> wow. Um, Owen's got a point in a quiz. Yeah. I know, it's... <laughs> and he's seen Step Up. I was going to say, you've done it in the worst way possible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was going to get... Ashamed of knowledge. I was going to get on to more credible films, but, you know, Owen didn't let me get there. No, so, I went straight in there. Yeah. He knows his step-ups. Well, yeah. do you know what it is? The director who's done G.I. Joe Retaliation, I had to look at what other films he's done. He's done Step Up 2 and 3, I think, and a Justin Bieber movie. So I was like, what? This is a big one. Yeah. Real pedigree, eh? Yeah, um, and then yeah, just I just noticed from the other Step Up movies that Channing Tatum was in one. Oh. so there you go. So research paid off. It's up to us. <laughs> hmm. Um, yeah. Well, in our new release movie, we'll be reviewing later is GI Joe Retaliation. But first, movie news. Yes. Um, well, there's one big bit of movie news uh, this week, which. 
I think is relevant to us as a pod and to a lot of our fans. I know that Dread 3D was very well received by us. It was very well received by a number of critics. I know a lot of our listeners really enjoyed it. And really, the sad news is that this week, the producer, Adi Shankar, has confirmed what a lot of us feared. Um, He was doing a Reddit Ask Me Anything session, and he has said there will be no Dread sequel in the foreseeable future. Um, Mm. As, in his words, the film totally bombed. That was him. Uh, And basically, he said that R-rated movies are already hard to sell in the industry, and that the poor box office basically has closed the door to another film. He is funding a short at the moment and they're hoping to possibly persuade Carl, Ar- Carl Urban to do a kind of small dread short, which someone that I've not seen in the Punisher films. Apparently they did something similar um, when Punisher wasn't being made anymore and they got, is it Thomas Jane or something? I don't, I, I know nothing about the Punisher films. You would, you would think there'd be scope for a TV series on, on dread though. You know, that would work brilliantly. Uh, like a sort of feature, you know, like feature-length, hour-long episodes, real big, big production kind of thing. I'm not talking ex- crappy. Mm. Be expensive to make, though, wouldn't it? I mean, they had to make, to make a lot of CGI um, backgrounds and stuff to get that film looking right. Mm. I mean, that's one of the things we all praised it for, wasn't? Wasn't it? Was yeah. Sort of as- the aesthetics of it. So, yeah, is it? Is it? Yeah. I think it is it really but, bad news? Yeah, I think it is. I, I mean, don't. The... I mean, the film The film was good. Were you not it a was... fan of it, Steve? No, the film was good. It was really yeah. good. But do we need a sequel oh. to absolutely bloody everything? Can't people just come up with some that... new ideas? That's... that's, the, that's the, 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 the worst thing about it is that is the fact that it doesn't seem like studios can make an R-rated or an 18-rated film anymore that's going to be financially worthwhile the making that's the that's the the worst thing about it but do we need another dread sequel what can they what can they do with it it's going to be the same kind of film and probably won't be as good as the original no i was hoping to bring um judge death into it and apparently that yeah the fact is it's got a huge you know judge dread has as many stories as batman uh yeah it has as many stories well no okay not as many stories but it's got a massively rich history and there are so many brilliant characters and stories that they could explore if they got the chance but i think the point you make there steve is right is that actually this you know yeah i'm quite sad there won't be another dread film i really enjoyed it i thought carl urban was great as dread um but what this is is a damning indictment of a hollywood system and a studio system at the moment that um basically is being rewarded for its decision to make films like taken two and Die Hard 5. Uh, and it's surprising when you think The Raid was successful, you know, commercially and critically. It was commercially successful, but it, in the sense that it probably made about a million quid box office here. It probably made about 20 million box office in America. I'd, I'd, but it was I'd, made with money that old people keep in their airing cupboards, wasn't it? That was yeah. a tiny budget. Yeah, you know? uh, yeah. Well, so it, it, it made money because it made the most of its potential audience. Um but Dread didn't. The other the other issue with Dread, and I, I do think that it suffered because of its 18 certificate, because, I don't, you know, um, cinema goers these days are possibly younger, 18 plus people are a bit more technically savvy and pay, possibly got it from other sources, put it that way. Um, the other issue, though, I think, is, 
and they, they need to accept some blame here themselves, is that they really pushed 3D-only showings, and mm-hmm. people don't want to watch. And it, we're seeing it, 3D um, takings are dropping because people don't like to be forced to watch something in 3D. They like to have the choice. I think if Dread had had 2D screenings available, it may well have done better. But I mean... I mean, we'll, we'll get onto this in a minute, but there, there are things that are being passed as 15s, which are, you know, fairly violent. Mm. You know, I think we're going to talk about it. But then uh, Looper was, was you know, an adult mm. sci-fi action film. That did well. That was well-received. Like, it, yeah, it, it, Looper not, came so, with a kind of critical... It came with a critical art house. Looper, Looper wasn't and really... Was, and an, Looper was cheap as well. Looper, Looper wasn't was really an action rent. film either, I don't think. I mean, it, there's a fair bit of action in it, but I don't think it was... It definitely wasn't marketed as an action film. And I think, no, I, and I think, action, no. I think action films have a specific audience now, which tend to be, a lot of them, younger than 18. Teenage. Yeah, teenagers. Which means you're not getting like a diehard made for the the right way, or you know, or films that are trying to do it the right way, like Judge Dredd, are just not getting the success they deserve, or the or the financial success they deserve, and therefore not I, being I made. Yeah, you can't make. I don't think you can make a blockbuster eighteen film anymore. And that's, that's I, I just don't think they're financially viable. And that's a that's what, what a was Django. Uh, Django was an 18, but I think Tarantino is a kind of slightly different kettle of fish. People went to see it it because it was a Tarantino film. Um, And it still didn't make mega, mega, mega bucks. It it made over 100 million. Uh, But again, that was made for not that much in Hollywood terms. Um, No one's ever going to make a 50 to 100 million dollar film um for 18 year olds anymore i just uh, i can't see it happening it's weird um but uh i I just i can't think of any major successful since possibly like the mid 90s or the 80s like when there was a stream of 18s that came out which did really well at the box office because adults still went to the cinema do you know what the problem is it's because adults don't like going to cinema because all these bloody teenagers in there talking on their phones and stuff, grumble, grumble. Adults don't want to go to the cinema because when they go and there's more than one of them that they're having to pay for, they don't want to spend all the money on, you know, it's overpriced, let's let's be honest. (laughs) Cinemas are overpriced. Yes, yes, yes. It's not good value for money. The experience isn't great either in most places. Mm. And, you know, when when you get a good cinematic experience, invariably it's in a smaller place where you're not watching that kind of film. Mm. You're not going for a big screen where it's going to be, you know, mind-blowing visuals and sound. Yeah. You go to the small ones who, who focus on service. So the trouble really lies with the, the cinemas themselves. Oh, you know, just, yeah, we could go on a lot here, couldn't we? But yeah, let's just say it's it's sad and it's not a great situation. Generally, it is. Generally well, speaking. I, I think with the rise of streaming and stuff, I think mm. there's probably some money to be made back on films like Dread, mm. where long-term they're going to get some, you know, the streaming. I mean, I've seen it pushed a lot on DVD and Blu-ray. Mm. Um, and they're well, probably it's okay. Get... Yeah. Oh, that was the news. We haven't got any weather, but we have got what we've been watching this week. James is going to start us off with that. Yeah. Um, 
first off, I just want to quickly say that order has been restored at least very temporarily because I went to see two films in the cinema this week that Owen reviewed during my week off the podcast, um, which was Steven Soderbergh's Side Effects and Sam Raimi's Oz the Great and Powerful. And basically, I just want to completely back up and agree with what Owen said. Uh, Side Effects, best Soderbergh film in years, really great twisty-turny thriller and Jude Law in brilliant form. And uh, I remember listening to the podcast, you guys said that... um, is it Jerry had seen The Talented Mr. Ripley? Yeah. Yeah, I, I love The Talented Mr. Ripley, and yeah, it's his best role since then. Um, so, and Owen, if you've still not seen it, you really should. I think you'd like it. Um, it's nice when he does do a good role like that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, uh, that's what we all thought. That's what we all saw the potential in. Yeah, definitely. Um, you just think, why don't you do that more often, you tit? And I think he's going back to that now, so... He's a bit like Colin Farrell, though. Colin Farrell does in Bruges. Yeah. He does a load of shit. And you think, what are you doing with yourself? Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Um, That's why it pays the rent or something. (laughs) Um, And yeah, it was great and powerful, just want to say. Decent enough family entertainment, touch of brainy, dark humour, a bit fluffy and empty in terms of the story. And I watched it in 2D and thought, oh, this is the bit where I'm meant to just sit here going, wow, it's 3D. I'm just a bit bored at the moment um, but really good performances especially I really like James Frank I liked all three which is I thought um, oh what's his name uh, Zach Graff really really good as well um, that's but, um, broke 200 million dollars by the way now has it I, I, yeah total gross just broke 200 million it probably cost that much to be fair um, it's, it's, it was a very expensive film but no it's, it's good fun family entertainment I've got nothing it's Nothing annoyed me about it. It just wasn't brilliant, that's all. Um, Yeah, it's it's, it's still 50 million short of making its budget. Oh, okay. Okay, it will. It will. It's not been out long. Um, Yeah, so first off this week, uh, I also went to see... I went to see four films in the cinema this week. It's ridiculous. But um, first one I want to talk about, because I know a couple of the lads uh, have seen it, and it's Trance. Um, Now, I'm just going to start off firstly by saying that I love Danny Boyle. Um, I think he's probably officially at national treasure status after the Olympics opening ceremony, which we all adored. Um, and then the fact that he turned down a subsequent knighthood just makes him even more of a hero to me, which is why I am so, so disappointed in trance. Um, I, I'm honestly struggling to think of many good points to start off with. Uh, I, I really like, basically, for those that... Um, James McAvoy plays uh, an auctioneer who is an inside man on a um, an art heist, um, stashes the painting somewhere, takes the bank to head and can't remember. And the gang uh, who helped him uh, organise it are using a hypnotherapist to try and delve into his memories and find out where he stashed the painting. That's pretty. Uh, wouldn't you agree? That's pretty much all I can say about the plot. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it, again, a bit like side effects, but in my opinion, done handled so much more clumsily. It's very, it's a very twisty, turny thriller with twists and turns and plot devices coming left, right, and centre. Um, yeah, I really like the opening heist. I was quite, I was settled in. I thought, oh, this is really good. Just the right amount of tension, style, a bit of humour, and then for me, the rest of the film lacked those exact ingredients. Um, I didn't think it, I'll, 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 I'll lay out my my uh, case for the prosecution first before before I know someone's going to jump <laughs> in. Um, firstly, I didn't think the film was as clever as it thought it was. I thought it was confusing and messy rather than 
uh, mysterious. Every single character was utterly unlikable. And unlike, say, Boyle's earlier work in Shallow Grave, where virtually all the characters were unlikable, but you're in quite a taut, tense, almost Shallow Grave could easily be a stage play. This is so sprawling and messy that I didn't have a central peg to uh, to hang myself on. Um, yeah, I, I think you need to be able to root for someone despite the flaws in their character. I just couldn't root for anyone in this. And one other thing that really annoyed me, actually, um, and it is it is a feature of Boyle's films. Like, like I say, I'm a Boyle fan. Um, but the amount of scenes that were soundtracked by an increase, increasingly loud score, just getting to a crescendo, just got on my tits after a while. I just wanted... I just wanted a scene without any music in it, just for a second, just give me a respite. I, I, that really, really wound me up. One or two themes and incidents I found genuinely creepy, possibly even a little distasteful and exploitative. It wasn't a nice film. Um, I didn't enjoy it. Um, a, a couple of films in the last 10 years have dealt with the simil similar themes of memory and things like that. Um, no, look, Christopher Nolan's done a number of films like that, and I thought in Inception kind of dealt with this theme in a much more exciting and stylish way um and eternal sunshine uh of the spotless mind did it with far more invention uh and humor and i thought one thing that this film lacked hugely was was any kind of sense of humor it was a ridiculously silly plot but it took itself far too seriously that's my thoughts anyway <laughs> i've just ranted out there but i'll let someone else give their opinion um because we're all about balance here <laughs> well, I really liked it. I mean, I watched it on the Monday after watching uh, 127 hours on the Sunday, and I think it was Shallow Grave on the Saturday. So I kind of built myself up for a, a Danny Boyle-esque film. Mm -hmm. um, and I, yeah. do, yeah. do, you, do you like 127 hours? Did you enjoy it? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. Right. James, did you like it? I thought it was all right. I didn't, I didn't think it was one of his better films. I, I've got my better Boyle films, and it was in it was in that middle tier of Boyle films for me. Uh, no one else seems to agree with me that I thought it was just dog shit. That film. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I liked I liked the Twenty Seven. I mean, I thought it was going to be just a film which everyone knows what the the, the end's going to be. He mm. saws his arm off. You know, it's mm. not a spoiler. That's yeah. the whole sort of what the film's built on. But it did enough. Uh, it kept itself going well enough to not just be uh, a build-up to that point. You know, there was a lot of other stuff going on in that film that I quite enjoyed. Um, right. Okay. But, I'll, yeah. I'll come back to it because one of my criticisms of trance is, is related to it. So I'll let you go. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, trance, yeah. Okay, okay. I was going to say, um, it's interesting you mentioned Inception because that's the kind of impression I got of this film from the start. And most of the criticisms you were levelling at trance um, mm. to start with, could have been said about um, about about trance and about uh, sorry about inception yeah. because it's all uh, a lot of it is you know it's dreams within a dreams or is it hypnosis or what's really happening kind of thing who you know who's telling the truth do they realise what's the truth and all that kind of thing it it is a film that thinks it's been a lot more clever than than perhaps it actually is mm. um, but no I mean I quite enjoyed it I didn't really get that wound up with that stuff in Inception and it didn't bother me. Yeah, really. I what, what I would say, Inception, uh, and it's something about Nolan films, actually. I really like Nolan, but I don't think he's a, a master of the cinematic art. But what I do like about his films is, while I'm in the cinema, while I'm watching them, I'm, sus I'm, I'm 
I'm, he's given me enough to suspend my disbelief with. I just couldn't, I couldn't get that with Trance. I was watching it. At times, I, I'm not thick, okay? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I understood Primer after looking at a diagram, so I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm not completely clueless. But at times, I was watching this film going, I, no, you've lost me now. And if you've lost me, I suddenly then realise I'm watching a film. Whereas with a Nolan film, he always gives you just enough breadcrumbs to keep keep you going. Maybe maybe more intelligent people than me did completely get where this film was going all the way. Weirdly, that it lost me in places, and then other plot terms uh, I spotted coming a mile off, and I'm usually rubbish at spotting uh, spotting kind of twists and turns. So I mean, it, it did it did drip feed those through though. I mm. mean, there were there were scenes that deliberately follow a plot line you haven't yet learned about, mm. and then a bit later on it goes back and kind of explains what yeah. that was. So I mean, it was it was deliberately misleading, but yes. not in a, in a way that I thought was. Um, you know, trying to make out that it was being really clever. I just think that was, you know, the way that the, the story was unfolding. You know, if you knew the stuff that was explained later on early on, then that, you wouldn't get the excitement from those particular scenes. So, no, oh no, 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 I, I do get that, but I, I think during that, what I would call that middle section, um, you need something. Yeah, I, I still think you need something. To, it, that I, I just felt there needed to be a few more kind of breadcrumbs or something to get, or maybe it's the fact that if I actually cared about any of the characters, it would have carried me through that middle section. Maybe it was just the fact that if you can't care about the characters, you're not just going to get that, that section. Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe mm. it wasn't about the twists and turns. Maybe it was the fact that, like you say, in a Nolan film, he will give me enough to care about the cat. So if I'm going, oh, I don't know what's happening, but I want um, to make sure they're okay. That will get me through. Um, whereas I, I mean, didn't when, get it with this. When, when you say care about the characters, though, what, what do you mean? Care about them in a way that you, I, I you like the character, or I don't even need to like them. Um, yeah. I think that I think you do need in a heist film. Uh, you know, in in a film of this type, there needs to be some kind of. You want someone to get away with something. You know, it doesn't. It could be a really nasty criminal, but hey, he's charming. Um, and he's funny, so you know the anti-hero. Yeah. Uh, to me, there wasn't an anti-hero. I, I didn't get that from. I think Vincent Cassell was meant to fulfil that role, but to me, he phoned that performance in. I'm a really big fan of Vincent Cassell, and I. Just, I was going to say, I got the strongest from thing about that film for me. <laughs> well, we're both completely disagreeing. Um, I thought that was brilliant in this. Um, no, I, I just, just now and again, I'd see glimpses of what I know he's capable of. And then other times it just looked like he was reading lines to me. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't buy into him. Um, James McAvoy was decent enough. Um, Rosario Dawson, decent enough, but I, I went in, I can, yeah, basically Danny Boyle's riding on the crest of a wave at the moment. Everyone, adores Danny Boyle. It, you can't really say anything bad about him, it seems, at the moment. And I went in expecting this to be, right, okay, everything over the last few years has been building up to this. And this feels very much kind of after the Lord Mayor's show. It's like, oh, oh, is that it? You know, especially I mean, considering some of the other films he's bought out recently. I, it, it just, it rubbed me up the wrong way. It genuinely did. <laughs> Can I come in? Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry, yeah. Jerry. <laughs> right. I think... I mean, I I think this is a common problem with Danny Boyle films that I have, aside from Train Spotting and probably Shallow Grave as well. Um, 
I think they generally they're they're enjoyable and nice to look at when you watch them and they're entertaining. But I always find that afterwards there's never really any substance to them. Do you know what I mean? I, I mean, I was, just don't stick with me. I and I, I, I think it comes down to how if Danny Boyle's got a great script, he makes a brilliant film, in my eyes. And yeah, Train Spotting and Shallow Grave, two fantastic, two great source materials, brilliant films. Slumdog Millionaire, I adore. And again, that is, that's a brilliant uh, script, uh, in my eyes. Uh, a fantastic story. It draws me in. Uh, 28 Days Later despite the fact that he reckons it's not a zombie film. That's the other issue I've always had with Danny Ball. But brilliant, brilliant script, for my eye, uh, in my opinion, and a great story. The films of his that I haven't really got hooked in have generally been let down because they're poor stories, in my opinion. And I think this, is, this falls into that category. I think he is a very gifted and accomplished filmmaker. I think he threw too many tricks at this one. Um, See, I think the more I think about this, and especially when you're talking about Nolan, mm. I mean, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed this film and I watched it. And I think, you know, you will go to the cinema and you will enjoy it if you watch it. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't go to the But the, it was very confusing. I think it, 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 let's put it this way, it was obvious that he was doing this sort of opening ceremony a couple of days a week and doing this a couple of days a week. Yeah, yeah I, I I to think about the timelines here and thought, yeah, these will have crossed over. He's, well, he, was, he, he said he's, in an interview he was doing the he was filming this on sort of an evening and doing the rehearsal stuff for the opening ceremony on a morning. So that yeah, that that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, there's a very sort of confused. It lacks focus. This film, I think, and I think this is a problem he has a lot in in terms of. You know, we'll compare him to Nolan again with this theme. Mm. He doesn't quite get inside the psychology of the characters in the same way that, you know, in Memento, for instance, mm. you're you're really in that psychology. And same with Inception. Yeah, there's a real sense of capturing that, and I don't think Boyle ever does that really anymore. Yeah. Memento's a good example, images. actually. When I was talking about not caring about the characters, all of all three of those characters aren't really likable characters but I'm interested enough in their story to want to find out what happens to them. But uh, I, think they, I think the characters in this were engaging. You know, I don't think it was a... I don't agree with you that they were so dislikable that they, were, they weren't interested, you know. I think the trouble it had was that it was so... It was, it was confused by, by itself, I think. I think he probably understood the source material inside and out. Yeah, I, that's that's something I can get. And and whoever wrote the script, I can imagine that to them, everything made sense. I just yeah. think that it struggled in transfer to screen to someone who didn't live and breathe this project. Yes. I well, I mean, that. I I kind of got it. I don't. You're, well, I mean, you're was... just super clever, Owen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know. I think you know everyone. No, no. Likes when I was watching it and I just got suckered in by how beautiful the whole thing looks. I loved the colour. I mean, scenes mm. where the motorway is just lit up with this, like, bright neon red glow mm. and stuff like that. Maybe it seduced me. It, it, looked, it looked fantastic in a lot of places, actually, and I liked a lot of what he did in terms of blurring uh, mm. reality and memory and stuff like that. It's a very good-looking film, but I think he's increasingly getting into a, a mode where he does things that look really good and the substance underneath when you actually stop and analyse it later on 
is not quite there. You know, and, and for instance, Skyfall last year was brilliant and had a sort of similar style in places. You know, the sky, the, the scene in Skyfall where he's in the tower block, mm. uh, for instance, there was there was you know the use of light in there was very similar mm. to this, and there was real sort of modern urban spaces which are, are very central to this uh, film. When they appear in Skyfall, that happens, but there's, there's so much more substance to that film than there is with this. You know, I just, I, there was something lacking in this for me. It was entertaining enough, but it was kind of a, you know, a solid, watchable film. You know, if you see this on TV, it's probably worth watching, but it's not, it's not a great film. Yeah, it's are. not anything like his early stuff. Trance wasn't the main review for this week. Um, no, sorry. Um, <laughs> James, yeah, the film I did watch. Sorry. Yes, I was going to say, did you watch any other films this week? Yeah, um, and it kind of tied, it does tie <coughs> to our real main review. I've, I made sure I watched um, G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra, um, just so I knew exactly what was going on. Well, I couldn't, I I couldn't find that anywhere. I couldn't find that on Sky Go or Netflix or anything or other other, other I, sites. I, and I, I couldn't... So I just read. Has it? I just read the Wikipedia yeah. synopsis for it, and that, that, that was, did the job. Yeah, that probably more simple. That yeah. would have yeah. been far more enjoyable. I wish I'd done that. Basically, <laughs> Rise of Cobra is an utterly stupid, brainless, and horribly scripted film. Um, apparently, yeah. they had to lock the director Stephen Sonner, who did um, the Mummy and the Mummy Returns and Scorpion King as well. I think um, they had to lock him out of the edit suite during the production in an mm-hmm. effort to save the film. <laughs> and I dread to think how it was looking before they did that. To be honest, um, that's embarrassing if you're a director. I know that's pathetic. He should that never work terrible, again. <laughs> He's handing out bands like he's UA for a film or something. <laughs> That's a good idea though, Steve. I like it. Yeah, just no six months ban. You're not you're not getting involved with films. Six months. In. Um now we saw Channing Tatum last year in Magic Mike and Twenty One Jump Street prove that he can be a funny, charming screen presence with the right script. Um but considering this was the work he was doing before then. It is no wonder I had him pegged as a kind of charisma black hole, to be honest. It, it, he has got nothing to work with here, and so he he is terrible in this film, um, in my opinion. Marlon Wayans is the one slight, slight, dim spark. How did he get that gig, though? Because wasn't Rise of, the Cobra, Rise of Cobra quite a big film? And I didn't think it, the Wayans brothers had done anything of any note other than making... No, they don't do, do they do scary movie now? Or do they do, were they, they ones who done more. they gave up doing it after two, I think. I saw their um, their two I didn't mind, but since then it's just been utter drivel and there's a new one out and I just can't believe that. Yeah. Which they're not even bringing out at Halloween, so that's just lazy. Um Yeah, but it, I think he must know something. But he's he's genuinely quite funny. He's got the only funny lines I think I heard in the entire film. Um, t- loads of terrible bits of filmmaking. And you know, I was watching this thinking, they've watched Team America and thought that's how action films should be and just done it seriously. They've just... G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra is Team America without any of the humour. Like, imagine if someone tried to make that a serious film. And it's, it's, it's Team America. I it, mean, it is... It, it, yeah. and, and you think, did you not see? Did you not see Team America completely tear apart that kind of film? And you went, yeah, we should do a film like. I, I, it's so rare you see 
the subject of a parody appear after the parody. <laughs> it, you know, it is uncanny. There's even a scene where the terrorists are trying to destroy Paris and they shoot a missile at the Eiffel Tower and it falls over. And I was watching it thinking, you've seen them do all... You're, you're ripping off Team America for a serious action film. Why would you do that? Um, there's some terrible... Uh, a few bits of the script. Um, at one point, um, McCullen, uh, played by Christopher Eccleston, says to uh, Channing Tatum's Duke, I'm going to make you very unhappy. And he replies, I'm already very unhappy. And it's just like that, that kind of scripting. <laughs> it's just so cringeworthy. And a bit near the end where um, and there's just these weird leaps of logic where there's this plane which fires rockets with voice control. And Marlon Wayans is he's going, oh, there's no button to fire the rockets. And the woman goes, oh, it's probably voice activated. And then he says, fire it. And she goes, oh, McCullen's <laughs> Scottish. So he's probably programmed it in Gaelic. Say Trahane. It's like, hang on, what? <laughs> it's just the most utterly... It, it is the kind of film a 12-year-old would write. Um, and I know, Owen, that kind of ties into... I know kind of, Owen came up with a really good point when we discussed it offline about uh, Toy Soldiers, Owen. But yeah, I mean, that's what the whole point of G.I. Joe was for. I mean, it's to make it so you're like, it's like you're watching action figures, you know, it's supposed to give you that feeling of, you know, the nostalgia of when you were, you know, I don't know, sort of eight, nine years old, and you you had those like, collectible action figures, and you had an action man, or you had a whatever, you know, it's just, it didn't, it, it didn't invoke that feeling at all, it completely missed the purpose of what it was meant to do, which yeah. is odd, I mean, it just, baffled me. I watched it and I just thought they, they've lost the plot. They don't understand what kind of film they're making. They, they just... Yeah, it's an awful, awful film. Uh, Owen, ha- Owen, how many films <laughs> have you watched this week? Uh, I watched... Since our last podcast, I watched four, uh, 15 action films. I don't know what other ones I watched. I watched a couple of others. <laughs> There's no other... Um, when I film is just like to point out, everyone, Owen is not a professional film watcher. He does have a job as well, apparently. Like, it's not the only thing he does. Yeah, yeah, he saw watches all. I watched Mother in a bit today. I went, I went swimming and walked the dogs and I've been outside in the sun. I just, um, yeah. Do you sleep? Films. Do I say? Well, you know. James has watched Game of Thrones, the whole two series over the past couple days. Only one series, only one series. That's only one? Okay. And, and I was staying up till three o'clock in the morning doing that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, no, I don't recommend it. I Game of Thrones and time I could watch a couple films. It's not, it's not too bad, is it? Watch <laughs> <laughs> not a couple. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was. It, I won't talk about. G.I. Joe Retaliation, yeah, but it did kind of inspire me to watch a few more action films and one of my mini film binges that I, I tend to go on after these kind of films. I watched The Killer, uh, John Woo's The Killer. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. But that was um, very good. Glorious action film. That is proper. It's more like a thriller with action in it than an action yeah. film like Hot World is, but it's brilliant. All day. But I was going to talk about, um, uh, well, I, I, I did watch Transporter 3, which in turn then made me try and seek out and watch Crank, the Jason Statham. For the first time? Uh, for the first time, oh. yeah. 
Um, I was not expecting much given it's the same director who did the second Ghost Rider film, which is just terrible. <laughs> um, so I went into it with really low expectations, kind of thought it would just be a, a nonsense, disjointed, typical action movie. And it was not, I don't really know how to describe it really. What can you say about it that accurately reflects what kind of movie it is? I mean, it's batshit crazy. It, it, it's just bizarre. Um, it's one of my favourite action films of the last 10 years, definitely. Yeah, I was really impressed with it. Do you know what the, the first thing that it, it kind of um, made me feel about it was the first few scenes were in like a point of view style. You know, the mm. camera's just looking through Statham's eyes as he's, he's waking up and discovering what's happened to him, which is that he's been poisoned by this Beijing cocktail and he's got like 60 minutes to live before his heart explodes or something like that. Or it's just, <laughs> but it, it's like a hitman and it's to do with this rival gangster. It's not important, basically. Um, <laughs> no. But it reminded me straight away of, of like a computer game. We were talking about the raid a few, yeah. um, you know, it's that kind of style to it. And it's just this non-stop pace all the way through the film. It's relentless. Um, you know, the, the whole, I get the idea that it's reflecting that the film's about he's got to keep the adrenaline flowing to stop his heart from failing. So he has to keep doing more, you know, out there things and keeps his uh, adrenaline up. That's the way that the film it kind of mirrors what the character's going through. So it's brilliant in that sense. I think it's the way it turns into this, like, this moving, changing, constantly adapting to what's happening kind of thrill ride. It's it's definitely as well an observation of, like, um, a whole generation of people who just want stuff now. I think that's what it's trying to reflect. It's trying to say, you know, nowadays people, they don't, they don't want to wait for stuff. He's got, he's got 60 minutes to live. He's just got to do this, and then he's got to do that, and then he's on to the next thing, and then he's going to kick someone's ass, and then that's going to be, that's the film. It's just constantly happening. Yeah. And, um, it, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's bizarre in that sense. It's, because it's just like <laughs> so many different ideas all squashed into one film. Um, but it's brilliant. It is really good. I, actually, I, I did find a few parts of the film a little bit like offensive. Not not so much that I was particularly um, offended by them, mm. more that it's designed to be so offensive. Like there's a scene where um, a couple of scenes actually. One that really made me think, hmm, I don't really agree with them trying to do that. But I, I get what I'm saying. There's like a, a bit where he has a like sex with his girlfriend in public. Yeah, <laughs> just in a minute, he just starts keeping his heart rate going. So he tries to, uh, have, he does have sex with his girlfriend, but it starts off as this weird, uncomfortable, kind of rapey moment where she doesn't want to, and he's just sort of grabbing her and pulling her over, and she's trying to get out, and he sort of rips the top off, and there's just a crowd of people around watching, and they're all sort of laughing and taking photos, and I thought, yeah, I don't really, that bit was, it, I didn't quite agree with that. I get what he's trying to do, and you know, he's got not like going, so that's what he's what the scene's for but yeah. when when parts of the film feel like a, like a passing social commentary of a certain lifestyle or whatever it is I don't know whether that scene was just basically the directors and writers because it's the same people yeah uh, whether they just had too much coke or something because yeah. that, didn't, that didn't sit right with me but the rest of the film is just it's just brilliant it's it's proper badass statement isn't it yeah I don't think you need to try and find any meaning in it Owen it's just awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Yeah. 
I mean, I did kind of get the feeling there was a message to it, but it is essentially just this constant barrage of action. It's just, as I said earlier, it's just relentless. It's just, <laughs> it's brilliant. Really, really um, enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Good. I might have to rewatch that. Mate. We, we, film. we might have to uh, <laughs> yeah. speed up this podcast a bit. So, Jerry, what have you watched this week? Um, I'm trying to think. Not not anything really particularly interesting. I've, I've rewatched a couple of things, but but nothing nothing that I haven't you know that I feel the need to speak about. I've been okay. watching a lot of TV recently as well. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is back. Everybody yeah. talking about Game of Thrones. Um, really don't know nothing nothing particularly uh, interesting. I think the only thing the two films that I've rewatched I've already talked about on the pod, so no point. <laughs> Moving on then to main review. G I Joe. Retaliation, starring The Rock, Bruce Willis, and for a little bit, Channing Tatum. Uh, yeah, just a, just a bit. <clears throat> yes. Um, James, do you want to introduce this film for us as you do it so well? Oh, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, basically, um, G.I. Joe Retaliation is the second part of the G.I. Joe story that was set up in the god-awful Rise of Cobra. Um, essentially, the G.I. Joes are on a mission, um, but they don't know that the president has actually been replaced by a president, uh, a fake president, who's changed his appearance to nanobikes. Oh, yeah, um, who works for Cobra Commander, um, who's got some guy called Destro in a dungeon. Or that. <laughs> Fucking weird. Um, uh, and so the G.I. Joes are terminated with extreme prejudice by the president, but a few of them survive and uh, have to take on the president and reveal the truth. Um, It's just basically 90 minutes of ass-kicking from there on in. The Rock uh, even uses his signature phrase, boots to asses, in this film. Yeah. um, Yeah. And I think he gives someone a rock bottom at one point as well. I missed that. I, th- I think he does. I think I was, I was looking out and thought, yeah, that's a robot. I'd have loved um, in the people's elbow someone times halfway through the film. Yeah, oh, yeah. Just, just, he's, he finds some ropes just to yeah. bounce off and jump hey, over. Yeah. And then we had a trailer for uh, The Rock at WrestleMania before Trance as well. Oh, what? Oh, really? Yeah. Do you know, I've not watched wrestling for 10. I'm so, this is how much we love the... This, we said we'll watch anything. I will watch, I'll probably pay good money to watch WrestleMania just because I know The Rock's in it. He appears to be fighting again. Well, fighting inverted commas. Yeah. Uh, he appears to be having a little bit of a to do that is, of course, very, very real. If any general yeah. listening, yeah. it's really real. Yeah. Uh, Sounds doesn't C. exist, but wrestling is real. Yes. And yeah. <laughs> what? Why have the GI Joes got like names that you'd give to Transformers? Um, because because they're toys. <laughs> That's what they are. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's, yeah, so he's Roadblock in yeah. this. Um, G.I. Joe was originally actual comics as well, wasn't it? There are comics, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, they're basically it's a toy cash-in. And like, right in the beginning opening sequences you see in association with Hasbro come mm. up. And that's worked so well with films in the past as well. Um, but uh, basically, yeah, it's, it's actually... I'm, I'm going to say right now, it's the second best film I've seen at the cinema this week. 
and I enjoyed it more than Trust. It was it was um, it was an enjoyable action film with a plot that made sense. That's all. That's yes, all you that, want. That's the most important thing. It was it was a very derivative plot. Yeah, you know, there was nothing special about no. it. You could predict it. You could write this shit yourself. But there's a reason that you know films like this have a bit of a formula like that. It's because as long as the plot is strong enough to carry performances by The Rock and some great stunt work and a big shoot-up, you don't really care because that's not what you're here for. Um, uh, what I would say is, having seen both films in the same week, massive the, the massive improvement. Firstly, this, is, this has now entered that pantheon of films where you can definitely say the sequel is better than the original. And in fact, this might be the biggest improvement from, from original to sequel I've ever seen. Well, they they do they films. do explain the the uh, rise of rise of Cobra at the start of this film, don't they? They do go. There is a kind of previously yeah. on. This, yeah, yeah. This, this is this is this is what happened, and this is who's still alive. And yeah. that's, and that's yeah, about all. Which yeah. is good. Yeah. Um, and that, I imagine that was helpful for people who hadn't seen the yeah. original. Um, I I don't know why they bothered. Um, reintroducing Deathstroke to anyone because it got fucked off halfway through. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's quite interesting that because um, this film was meant to be out last October or something like that, September October. I know one of the reasons was to retrofit 3D to it. I only saw it in 2D. Mm-hmm. I refuse to watch retrofitted 3D films. Um, but the other reason is apparently Channing Tatum tested really well, and so they had mm-hmm. to go back and. F- film more bits of Channing Tatum. And actually, I think The Rock and Channing Tatum are a really good double act. They, 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 were, good see, to, they were good together yeah, in the film as a, as a duo. I have to go back and film some more bits but, because and it is, I suppose, that helps. I suppose it is quite brave to kill off, not a character, but you know, an actor that is mm. probably one of the main draws to the film and you're killing, him, you're, you're killing him off after about 20 minutes. Yeah, I'm assuming the only reason he came back to do this film was to like meet the rock. Said, like you're killed off within ten minutes. Don't worry about it, yeah. because he didn't yeah. want to commit to another Joe yeah. Show film because he actually his career's taken off a little bit. Yeah, uh, and he probably sees this. Although as he died of... in two of the films you've watched this week. Yes, he has. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very true. Um, but yeah, it's uh, but uh, and one of the scenes you know for a fact was filmed. Uh, got, they went back to film with the bit where Chang Tatum's just in someone's house with the rock because that's nice and cheap. They just went, right, we need more Chang Tatum. Let's just film him in a house playing computer games because that's really cheap and we can get them together to do that. But so that's fine. You, they had ne- really good chemistry. They did. Uh, yeah. And I think it was, and you got to see that Channing Tatum who we've seen in 21 Jump Street and uh, Magic Mike who's actually quite a funny, charming guy and, and that's brilliant. Um, once he's gone, it basically becomes... Uh, well, I thought it would become The Rock's action mm. film, but the other massive improvement uh, in this film over the original was the fact that Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes, the rival ninjas, um, they were up, they had much better characters, they had much more to do, they were just far, far better on screen, uh, especially Storm Shadow, who became a far more morally complex character than in the first film. Um, and they provided a lot of the best action 
uh, to the film. Uh, I'll let someone else talk for a bit anyway. I I want to just quickly say while I was talking about Storm Shadow, Lee Byung Khan, I quite like him. He was in um, I Saw the Devil, okay. and he was really good in that. That's not that's not an action film by any sort of stretch of imagination. That's a really dark, yeah. twisted revenge thriller kind of film. Yeah. But I think there is a market for someone like him in Hollywood at the moment who can do stunts really well, mm-hmm. you know. And he does some fantastic stuff in this. I think he, he's got that, that look, the charisma that he, he was lacking in the first film. Um, and I think he could kind of, kind of corner the market as that, you know, because there's always a, a, an Asian Hollywood star, you know, at certain yeah. points. I think he could perhaps, he could be that, that actor for the moment, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, I've seen him in more films. He, yeah, he was very good actually. He, he, I was, I was really impressed by him. Um, I can't, I can't think of many other people. <laughs> the rest of the people were just kind of eye candy. Well, Bruce, Bruce, like Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis well, yes. who, we haven't mentioned who Bruce yet, have we? As, yeah, he turned up as Bruce Willis. Did he? <laughs> he turned <laughs> up as the original. He turned up as the original GI Joe. The, yes. the one there, yeah. the one, the the whole branch of the. Armed Forces is named after, and yeah, you know he's just brilliant. I think he's really good in it. It's just kind of like the grizzled old person who basically everyone's got instant respect for, and then he's got guns hidden absolutely everywhere in his house. Yeah, yeah, he, he was just Bruce Willis. He, he was just the Bruce Willis that we expect. Uh, but he had he had some good lines, and he bought he he bought uh, he bought. A, sense of credibility to the film as well, I think. He you bought, know, he, he if bought, Bruce Willis shows up, you think, hang on, this is all right, actually. I he, know it didn't work in Dark Five, but, um, but yeah, there, there was a, yeah. a sense of credibility there about him. Um, it was pr- it, We got through it quite quickly. <laughs> it, it wasn't too long. It didn't have that's welcome. Um, it still had some of the most pointless gadgets I've ever seen in film, right at the beginning <laughs> of the film, where The Rock gets through a chain mail fence with gloves to heat up heat mess. I was like, why don't you just have like a stick? Because so, all you do is cut you through. Why have you got to put on these weird gloves and risk burns when you could just take yeah. like a blowtorch and go? That was weird. Why have why have wire cutters been replaced in G.I. Joe's universe? When they work exactly. perfectly fine. They're not loud and they do exactly yeah. the same job. And I expect they yeah, don't not- glow like gloves that melt metal. So Exactly. So not going to give away your position. I oh, know. Some things have reached the pinnacle of the, of the era of going We're never going to come up with anything better than toilet paper as it is. There's, there, yeah, toilet paper has reached the... Yeah, and why? Well, I don't know. Have you ever used a bidet? I mean... <laughs> but, yeah, no, there, there's a few silly, very, very silly moments like that where they've gone, oh, this would look... This looks cool rather than this is real. But that's the kind of film it is. So you forgive it. Um, yeah, I, I, it was decent enough. I'm not sure I'm, I've got a huge hunger for a sequel beyond this. It's certainly but... set up for one, though. Oh, yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what this film was really good um, at as well, because Joseph Gordon-Levitt was really bad in the, the original. Yeah. As Cobra, as Cobra Commander, yeah. this has been replaced. It's not him, it's someone else. Yeah. He's barely in it. The main villain is Jonathan Price as, yeah. as president. He's been Starter, who's having a great time. Yeah. And he's just brilliant. He's having it up and it's great to see. Yeah. I I do like Jonathan Price. He's a great actor. And he was clearly having a lot of fun with that role and and rightly so. Um, 
Yeah, no, it, I, I just enjoyed it. It was, yeah, it, it's no more than a three-star film, but considering the expectations that I would have had for it, that's more than enough. Yeah, I mean, it reminded me a lot of Expendables 2. It's another one of these yeah. where, you know, it's better than the original. You're not expecting an awful lot from it. Um, and then it just delivers some pleasantly quite fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And know? I think that's at the heart of it, what it is. It's just a fun, knowing action film. Yeah. And which is great. Right, the question we pose to all of us now then is, which series or franchise, given that he's now in the the Fast and the Furious franchise and the G.I. Joe franchise, uh, yeah, and the G.I. <laughs> Joe franchise, which he's terrible now, good. Yeah, yeah. Which franchise do we want to see The Rock in next? Uh, Jerry, you've been quiet for a while, so you can do, you can go first. Predator. Oh. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. All about Predator. Anybody who's seen uh, the the latest Fast movie as well, he basically looks like Arnie in his little sleeve. He's huge. <laughs> He's massive in uh, GI Joe as well. Yeah. Couldn't believe it because Channing Tatum's not small. But no. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, The Rock is a big boy. He is yeah. a really big boy. Yeah. yeah. The Rock, Rock versus Predator. Big, the Rock look like a pussy because if you look at him next to. Photos of his old self. Mm. He makes yeah. it look like a bitch. Yeah. It's huge. He painted himself green for Halloween and went as the Hulk. That's how huge he is. Yeah. <laughs> they could. They didn't even need to CGI the Hulk for the Avengers, did they? They could just get him. Yeah. They could have just painted the rock green. Yeah. Right to run around. Would have been a lot. <laughs> yeah. Would have been a lot better. And the Hulk was one of the best bits of the Avengers. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the magic of the rock. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Predator, yeah. Predator. No, nice. James. Not this. None of this getting scrawny little shits in to do Predator. That's it. Yeah. Get the rocket. No, I like it. No, my one um, actually is yeah. He needs to resurrect a, a terrible film series, and that is the Paranormal Activity series. Um, <laughs> I basically my ideal my ideal film now is um, ninety minutes of watching The Rock just hang out at home. And then he punches a ghost in the face. <laughs> that, if paranormal activity is that, I'm I'm there. That is brilliant. Owen, your choice. Um, I've gone. I think he would make a brilliant John Stewart, uh, which is Green Lantern. I uh, think he could be the, the host of the Daily Show. I thought that's, that's, <laughs> that's a bit of a sideways step. <laughs> I think the Green because Green Lantern. I quite enjoyed parts of Green Lantern, but I know it was universally panned and Steve. Watched it and I absolutely hated it. I think he could resurrect that, especially in time for uh, a Justice League movie. Nice. I think he'd make a good, uh, good John Stewart. Steve, I want to see him as a Jedi in the new Star Wars films. Ah, oh, like a like, uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, Just, if they went, he could play young Samuel Jackson. <laughs> I was going to say they had Mace Window into bring their badass to it. Yeah. Or just carry be lightsabers and the rock yeah. just be like, I don't need no lightsaber. But I've also come up with an idea for GI Joe free um, revenge of the the people that they didn't uh, they upset in the first second one. <laughs> well, you've got the title. I've not done the title. It's a working. It's a working title. But basically, right? I remembered this. GI Joe is Hasbro. What mm. other toy is Hasbro? Not Transformers. Um, uh, I don't know. Hungry Hippos. No, Action Man. 
Oh, right. right. Now, wait, right. see where I'm going with this. What city got really fucked up in G.I. Joe retaliation? Uh, oh, London, wasn't it? It was, right? Yeah. Which British actor is really good in action films? The State. Exactly. The State, State plays, action man. <laughs> State plays action man and joins up with G.I. Joe to fight Cobra. G.I. Joe 3. Done. Hollywood, where's my check? Yeah. Essentially. Then, essentially. I'm not locking you out the edit room for that. Uh, essentially, but, essentially uh, Cobra's got some new plan to kill everyone and all that, take over the world. Bruce Willis yeah, is... Details, yeah, details. Don't worry about that's that. all you need. Bruce Willis is back, but he's in charge. He's mostly in the office now, and he's in charge of the G.I. Joes. The Rock is in charge of them in the field, and then Action Man comes along. He's like, look, they blew up London. I'm really annoyed about this. Can I help out? And they're like, yeah, fine. You're Jason Statham. Get on with it. And there's, <laughs> there's your film. I, I'd rather listen to 90 minutes of Steve explaining this film than watch G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra again so that you're already on to a winner, Steve. Someone get me a, like a, uh, a studio email and I'll just email them ideas for films and Hollywood will improve Steve, tenfold. You just need to move that. Spielberg got his break by just um, pitching up at, was it Universal? It was one of the big studios. Um, and he just put himself in an office. And he just started. He just went in every day and wrote in in an office in the studio. And everyone thought he worked there. And that's how he got his big break. So that's what you need. I mean, are you sure that Spielberg got maybe from Arrested Development? <laughs> no, no, no. But I think, <laughs> I think that's the homage to. to that. <laughs> Honestly, I'm, 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 I need to look that up. Um, but at least it's not libelous. Um, <laughs> it's a nice story. But I'm sure that's something I've I've heard properly. I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna email the the studio that made G.I. Joe with that idea. And then if Action Man turns up, I'm suing their ass unless they pay me some money. Yeah, I'm, I'm all over that. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. I think that'll do for this week. Um, what's yeah. what's on next week? Uh, next week, oh god, I really should prepare for this kind of nonsense. You should, you know it's coming every week. I know, every single week, I then have to go into my laptop and I have to have a look. Um, yeah, talk amongst yourselves for a second. Uh, uh, I can't remember, it's gonna be a a triple bill, isn't it? We haven't had a triple bill for a few weeks, let's have a look. (laughs) This is pod gold. Jerry, what's been Jerry, what podcast up until now? Oh, it's our summer preview. Triple bill, summer preview next week. Films we're looking forward to, apart from, uh, what did we say? Superman, um, Iron Man, Man, Star Trek. Iron Man and, and Superman, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Star Trek. Yeah, I think, it, I think it was the three right? big But yeah, it's outside of those three. Some preview. Do you know what's the week after? Uh, well, I do now. The yeah. uh, week after that is um, Tom Cruise's new film, Oblivion. That looks, that looks quite good from the trailers. Uh, I'll, I'll watch Cruise in anything. So. It's got Tom Cruise in Therefore, it's going to be shit. It's going to be amazing. There we go. <laughs> we'll save that argument for two weeks' time, Jerry. Right. That's all for this week. Thanks for everyone for listening, contributing, and Kevin McLeod for the music. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.